Alright, I'm Joey Wagner, sports reporter at the Herald Review. We are here with our Illinois beat writer, Mark Tupper. Um, a second episode of Lion Eye Weekly Podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it last week. We kind of have a similar setup again this week. We will talk with Steve Kelly, a member of the uh, Fighting Illini radio broadcast team at Illinois, who just returned this year, didn't he, Mark? Well, he, he went out to Colorado um, at the end, and he was trying to decide if he was going to stay out there or whatever, and... Um, you know, I think Steve kind of missed it here in Central Illinois, and he, you know, he's got a lot of golfing buddies here, and so he's back. Um, never actually left the radio team, but he's back, and um, and a lot of people happy to see Steve around. He's he's been a familiar voice on both radio and television for Illinois sports for uh, more than thirty years. So um, it was fun catching up with him at at uh, training camp the other day, and and just talking about what they do. In fact, you know, I, I confess to Steve, it's funny because. Um, the average fan knows exactly what goes on in the radio um, pregame show, and I have no idea because <laughs> I'm up in the press box doing my thing, you know, so I never get to hear it. So I told Steve, you know, I'd, explain to me what it is you do, actually. So anyhow, that's some of what we talked about. Awesome. Um, so camp is winding down. I think it ends Sunday? Saturday. Correct? Saturday. Yeah. So getting so much closer to that first game against Ball State. Um, you've been at camp quite a bit this yep. week and yep. it's been kind of a tale of two sides of the ball this week it is you know you wrote about it pretty extensively the first day on Monday I believe it was the offense came out and Jeff George Jr. and Chase Crouch kind of flexed their muscles a little bit and on Tuesday it was the turn of the tail on the defense um what what's kind of the vibe around that whole experience for that I think days? that's okay I mean I, I would worry if one side of the ball was winning every day that would say that uh, this team is really lopsided in one direction. Um, I think it's good that the offense can win on one day and the defense can come back and win on the next day. Um, last night at practice, uh, Chase Crouch was not in shoulder pads and did not participate in the 11-on-11 stuff. Um, and Lovey's real coy about injuries, so uh, but he said he thought he would be back today. So, you know, I don't think it was anything serious. Um, I was there the day before and didn't see him get really dinged or anything, and they're not letting uh, not letting him have any contact. So it's uh, it, it has been back and forth. I think the hardest thing to get a read on is how good is Chase Crouch, because um, as we may have talked about before, you know, running is such a big part of his game, and when you're not allowing your defense to touch him, um, you, you know, you always wonder on any given play would he would he have turned the corner and, and picked up a first down? Would he have broken a tackle and done this? Would this have happened? Would that have happened? And uh, and you don't know, so you're kind of guessing. And so, I'm not, But just from throwing the ball, he's been kind of um, some days better than others. Um, he's, he's had some throws that have been really, really good, fit into a tight window, and he's had some throws in which he's tried to force it into a tight window and maybe got the ball deflected and picked off. So I think that's the biggest unanswered question as they finish training camp and then they'll take Sunday off and then Monday they'll be uh, back over um, on their practice fields next to Memorial Stadium as they sort of zero in on Ball State. So are you, you know, that's the biggest question, are you able to kind of decide for yourself what you think Chase Crouch is or what Chase Crouch isn't just kind of so far in these first few weeks? I think he's um, um, not consistent enough. I think he's a really good runner and really a tough kid. Um, but, you know, as I've, as I've told some people, you know, we're talking about 
what's going on with these freshmen and what's going on in the defensive line and what's going on wide receiver position, which is a strength, and what's going on here. And none of that's going to matter if these quarterbacks aren't good. As far as I know, I can never remember Illinois having a, a good football team that didn't also have a good quarterback. And I don't remember it. And so, um, you know, we, that's why it's really important. And we won't get to see them after Saturday, uh, after Saturday morning. We won't get to see them again until Ball State because they're going to close off practices over there. So what happens after that, um, we, you know, we'll see. Um, just that, you know, Ball State is a game that should afford him to get some confidence, and that's certainly a game that they shouldn't have and do have to win. But after that, it gets difficult because the next two non-conference games are against teams that won 11 games last year. Right, and you, you touched on something where you'd be concerned if one side of the ball was dominating. I mean, there's so few schools where that's not a concern, right? I mean, if Alabama, Absolutely. You know, for example, if they're going and finding the end zone on every drive, there might be a little panic in Tuscaloosa yeah. if you look at Baylor and the offense can't find the end zone in a Big 12, you think it's a problem. But Illinois is kind of that school that if you can find the middle there, that should kind of lead for a little bit of optimism, I think. I would hope so. Um, but, you know, we still have to see on the defensive line, um, are they going to be able to control the run? Um, and that's a big thing, too. And special teams, you know, we, we don't see special teams at full speed all the time. They're working on technique and they're working on assignments when they have special teams sections and Illinois special teams have been just so-so for a while um, and and you know this is a group run by Bob Ligashevsky who's been um, an NFL special teams coordinator um, this would be a year to you know it would be beneficial to them to be a lot better than that they've got this Australian punter freshman left-footed kid um, who's Six foot six, two twenty. Who looks like he can boom it pretty good. Um, so you know, there's another area too. So um, you know, I, I think I think they're going to make some improvements some places. But I, I kind of anymore keep coming back to. Yeah, but what's what's Chase going to do? And if it's not Chase, then what's Jeff George Jr. going to do? And you mentioned wide receiver the position of strength. Yeah, they have some safety nets out there. Um, Mikey Dudek, somebody we've talked a lot about, but Ricky Smalling is a name that just will not go away through training camp. I mean, it seems like every day he's doing something that's getting attention to him in a positive way. Ricky Smalling has been really good. Um, you just hit on the thing I'm going to write about in Sunday's Herald and Review. You want to check it out because um, these freshmen we keep talking about, and a lot of times coaches talk about freshmen, and then when the season begins, we don't actually see them. Um, but these, I have asked Lovey and um, Garrick McGee, the offensive coordinator, and Hardy Nickerson, the defensive coordinator. And Garrick, in particular, is emphatic. They are going to play. He said, we went into their into their homes and their living rooms and sat with them and recruited them by saying, you will play as a freshman. You know, provided you don't get hurt, um, you will play as a freshman. And he said, they are going to play. I think there's going to be an unusual number of freshmen who are going to play, get on the field. But Ricky Smalling is one who not only is going to get on the field, I think he's going to be a potential difference maker. I think it could happen not only at wide receiver, but as a punt returner or kick returner. He is explosive. He is really quick. He's got terrific hands. Um, he's been one of the best. I've watched their punt returning guys, and mostly I just look to see who catches the ball. And he always catches the ball. I think he's really exciting. You know, fans may feel maybe a little cause for concern for freshmen coming in and playing, but this is how these programs start. This is how things get off the ground and start really moving. And it, 
it might you know might be some growing pains, but it's a good sign I think to see these freshmen getting in there their first year and getting a chance to really give minutes and playing time to themselves. No doubt, and um, the reason they're going to play is because they are they are more likely to make plays than some of the veteran people they have in the program. Some of the people that Lovey inherited, you know, there's there's some guys that are good guys, but. Uh, are they going to really go get the ball for you? Um, you know, maybe not. And so, um, you know, you may suffer. There'll be some freshman mistakes. There'll be some growing pains. There's no doubt about that. But this is the start of getting better players, faster players. In the case of um, on the offensive line, for instance, bigger players onto the field, and um, and they're they're willing to live with some of these mistakes because they they've got to commit to it, and and they know they're not good enough if all they do is play the guys that were there when he arrived. They got to start playing some of these kids. And you mentioned you know they sat in the living rooms and said, hey, you're going to play as a freshman if you don't get hurt. Injuries are a thing that everything we've talked about for this will be our second week, everything you've wrote about for two or three weeks almost goes out the window if you start getting a rash of injuries, which is true for any team. Yeah, but specifically more so. for Illinois. Yeah, more so for just, Illinois. There's no depth. There's no depth. It's a, it's a thin team. There's a little bit of depth at a couple positions. Um, there's a little bit of depth at wide receiver. There's a little bit of depth at running back. There's a little bit of depth at linebacker. But there's not depth on the offensive line. There's not depth on the defensive line. Um, and so, you know, they, they can't afford the big injuries. It's one of the reasons that we've seen very little of Kendrick Foster lately. Um, they're just they're not willing to risk him getting hurt. That's why Chase Crouch has been off limits to contact. And, contact. and uh, it's why they've really taken their time bringing people like uh, Jalen Dunlap back and Dre Brown back and, and some of these people. They're just, they, they just don't have the quality reserves to throw these guys out there, get them hurt in practices, and then not have them available once the season starts. So, yeah, all the bets uh, go out the window if they get some significant injuries at, at positions where they just don't have any any uh, any backups. That was a beautiful transition into Kendrick Foster because I've been talking to you a little bit about him. I want to talk about him. First of all, the kid is such a great story. I mean, he was a kid who really for his first few years could not find the field um, I'm from Peoria. He's a Peoria guy. I know he talked to the Peoria Journal Star just kind of about maybe his. He kind of considered transferring for. Oh, a little he bit did and, definitely. And he, you know, he kind of lost, got out of shape a little bit. And he, last year, you didn't really expect much of him. Keyshawn Vaughn was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to come in there, and that was supposed to be your premier back. And Kendrick kind of worked his way in there with some huge, huge plays. Uh, not a lot of chance, but what, have you, what do you expect from Kendrick so far, even though you haven't really seen him a lot? I, I really like him. I mean, he's a, he's a great story. He's, he's short, but he's strong, and he's pretty fast, and he's a guy that was right on the brink of transferring. In fact, I think he was going to. The coaching change, uh, his, you know, his dad went to Illinois and played there, so he, he's a, a guy that thought about it, and Lovey, and Lovey talked to him and his, and his family and said, you know, hey, don't don't go, you know, um, stay here, you know, we're we're whatever the previous staff may have thought about you, I don't care, we're going to make our own judgments. If you know, if you believe you should have been playing, then just go out and show us why, and we'll get you on the field. And lo and behold, it was the guy who was supposed to be the star running back, who Keyshawn Vaughn, who transferred, and um, and Kendrick has got that job now, and he's uh, everybody likes him, he's a team leader guy. Um, and he's, he's, fun. he's, he's a, a lot of fun. Guy. He's very exciting. He's always upbeat. Really good kid. Really good story. And if he stays healthy, I think he's a really good running back. He led him last year in, in rushing. I think he's a thousand yard guy this year. 
um, and um, you know maybe maybe even more so. But he's exciting. He's one of their best stories. And let's be honest, that offense was not the most exciting last year for a lot of times. But he injected some excitement. He injected some big play potential. There was a couple plus sixty yard runs he had. I mean, he was he was kind of the reason that Illinois picked up some of those wins that they had. He was electric. Yeah, he was. He did a really good job, and um, and he's he's a lot of fun to watch. He's uh, He's faster than you think he is because he's short. You think, okay, he's a short kid. He's kind of strong, and he can he can gain more yards between the tackles than it looks like. But he's probably not going to break away. But he can break away, <laughs> and um, so that that's that's pretty cool about him. Um, I think he's I think he's really exciting. Number twenty two. Looking forward to seeing him. Um, before we touch into the basketball schedule, which was released, the conference bas- basketball schedule that is, um, I want to talk. It's it's so hard for some fans to really get on board with this Illinois team because of the product they saw last year. They were outscored 383 to 239 last year. Those last three losses, Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern at the end of the year, those were, they took the wind out of the sails so quickly. I mean, if you're not going to get market improvements in the win-loss category, that's the number that has to get, you've got to close the gap in those numbers. No doubt. they got to be more competitive in those games. Um, and um, they had, you know, they had, Three, they had three different quarterbacks okay. last year. I'm not making excuses for them, but it was a transition year, and and Lovey didn't have a recruiting class to start plugging in, and so it was very, very difficult, no doubt about that. And um, you know, the fact that they beat Michigan State is still kind of a you know head scratcher. It says probably more <laughs> about Michigan State's difficult season than it does about Illinois. But um, they've got to they've got to be better. And um, you know, when West Lunt got hurt. Um, Jeff George wasn't ready to step in there. Um, well, actually, when he got hurt, Chase Crouch came in, but he only played a game and a half, and then he got hurt. And then Jeff George came in against Michigan. What a tough place yeah. for a kid to make his first start at the big house, and, and they got clobbered 41-8. to eight. Michigan was very good, um, and Illinois wasn't ready for that. But they should have been uh, more competitive against Minnesota, and they should have been more competitive against Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin was a good team. and. And they got shut out by Iowa, and um, and they got doubled up by Northwestern. So, you know, they yeah, absolutely, they need to be more competitive. They need to win some of those games. They you got to start turning it a little bit here. Um, no matter what happens, you gotta you gotta show that you belong on the field uh, more than they did last season. They weren't happy, and I, you know, Lovey's not used to that kind of a thing either. So, you know, that was a tough pill for him to swallow. Yeah, I can't imagine Lovey slept well after giving up forty eight to Michigan. No, I don't care how good Michigan That's was. Right. Uh, so yesterday, which would have been Wednesday, yep. conference basketball schedules got released, and Illinois' schedule is, for a lack of better terms, it is weird. It is very all of them very I mean, weird. It's not just Illinois; it's it's everybody, you know. And it's all because, you know, we're we're all. I won't say we all are all, but I will say I am, and I and I know I am not alone, having a hard time um, embracing the Big Ten's push to the east. Mm -hmm. It's created some situations that we're just not used to seeing. And not only 14 teams, including Maryland and Rutgers, and then the games out there, but last year the Big Ten tournament in Washington, D.C., and this year the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden. And and that has created an additional problem because in order to secure Madison Square Garden, um, the Big East has it the, the, the normal week of conference tournaments, and so the Big Ten had to be willing to move everything up a week in order to get it. Well, when you move it up a week, you cut a week out of your regular season. And when you cut a week out of your regular season, you now have to be creative enough to get 18 games in. And they don't fit 
between the 1st of January and the start of that Big Ten tournament. So what they are going to do is every team will play two games, one home, one road, between December 1st and December 5th. And Illinois will open the season, uh, the Big Ten season, on December 1st, a Friday night, against Northwestern. That's a Northwestern home game, but their arena is going to be renovated. So they're playing their home games at Allstate Arena in Rosemont. That's where Illinois uh, beat Arizona to go to the Final Four. And then two days later, on Sunday, December 3rd, they come home, State Farm Center, and host Maryland. Then they play six non-conference games, which is really weird. And then they resume... The Big, Ten, the Big Ten schedule um, on January the 3rd. So we're not used to seeing that big break. Actually, those two early Big Ten games don't bother me. I think the bothersome stuff is going to be the end of the Big Ten tournament is March 4th. And Illinois will, or excuse me, all Big Ten teams will now have seven extra days to wait until Selection Sunday. You know, it used to be the championship game wrapped up and 30 minutes later, Selection, they unveiled the bracket. And now you got to wait a week. So that's going to be an issue. Also, Illinois' schedule is choppy. Um, when, when they resume Big Ten play in January, four of the first five are on the road. At Minnesota, at Michigan, at Nebraska, at Wisconsin. The only home game is Iowa. And then five of the next six are at home. Play Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Penn State at home. And in the middle there, they go to Ohio State. So... You know, it's it's usually not that kind of broken up, but it is this time. Um, they don't have any three-game road trips, which is good. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. That, that, Minis- that Northwestern game on December 1st, you know, Northwestern is a team. Be, they'll be very much favored in that game. Um, they made it to the NCAA tournament last year. They got a lot of people back. That'll be a huge game for them. And then Maryland, and, and as... Um, as Brad Underwood said, you don't want to get off to an 0-2 start. So, you know, you got to, and Maryland's going to be decent. You know, they lose Mellow Trimble, but they got a lot of people back. So um, that'll be very, very interesting. The whole thing starts November the 10th against Southern uh, at, not Southern Illinois, but Southern at the State Farm Center. And uh, and then we'll get rolling. But um, it's an odd schedule, no doubt. So there's about three things that you touched on that kind of bother me. The first thing is the gap between the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Because I'll tell you what, if that was there last year, maybe Michigan doesn't go on that Cinderella run. Very possible. And that's that's kind of what makes March March is, let's say, who can get the hottest for these few weeks. And and talent's there, of course, but you can get far if you're hot. And that seven-day gap is a problem to me. I I just don't don't like that. It won't play into uh, some team's hands, but there'll be a team or two that will say we're grateful to have the extra time to get healthy. We're banged up. Uh, we need to work on some things, and we're going to do that. Um, so, you know, I think it'll be up to coaches to use that psychologically in a way that their team feels like it's an advantage, even if they don't believe it. You know, you're going to have to convince kids that it is. But that that is, it'll be like the Missouri Valley, you know. Missouri Valley has that extra week. And um, so, you know, but it, but it's this year only. And then next year they're in Chicago, and the year after that they're in Indy, and the year after that they're in Chicago, and the year after that they're in Indy. So the next four years after this season, they're back in that Chicago-Indy rotation, which we're all more used mm-hmm. to. Um, and, um, you know, I I don't know if I would have done it, but as I've said many times, um, Jim Delaney comes up with ideas, and um, you don't see the wisdom in them 
at the time, and then a while later, you're like, wow, you know, that really helped raise the Big Ten's profile in New York City and in the East, and, and it helped recruiting out there. A lot of kids had an opportunity to see them. You know, it could it could go that way. I just know that it feels weird and feels <laughs> different now. It does. Ah. Uh. Brad Underwood mentioned he doesn't want to start 0-2, and for a coach who's coming in in his first year, that's 0-2 in the Big Ten, that is. I should clarify that. For a coach coming in in his first year who's going to need a little actual game time to maneuver some of these rotations and see what he's got in terms of on-court live game action, those two Big Ten games coming that early, that that may not play into Illinois' favor. You know, it may not. Um, it may not. I don't know. Um, that, that'll be very interesting. Those are important games. Um no question about that. And but I know one thing. But I've talked to Brad about this. He's not going to. Um, he's not going to spend any time complaining about the schedule yeah. or, or you know, gee, I wish we had more time. Or because there's no a. There's just no point in it. You know. I mean, you, here's the schedule. They were handed it yesterday. Now what are you going to do? You, you can forfeit, <laughs> but they're not going to do that. They're going to go play it. And then two, you you know, you don't want to put in the back of the kids' minds that they're at a disadvantage. Right. You know, so um, he's not going to spend any time doing that privately behind closed doors. He might pull his assistants together and say, man, this is a messed up deal. But we'll never hear that from him publicly. And, and I agree with that. That's the way to do that. My last thing before we get to Steve Kelly, and it's regarding the basketball schedules, is if I look correctly, there are three Big Ten home games that fall on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I do not like that. That makes it very hard to get fans from not the Champaign area in there. It makes it hard to get, I mean, the recruits are going to be there, but to get a kid in there to see these Big Ten tournament games, that makes it a little more difficult to do on a Thursday night or on a Sunday night even. So I think missing some of those Friday, Saturday, mostly Saturday conference games at home, that's that's also not very ideal. Well, they have two Friday night Big Ten road games. I don't ever remember playing a Big Ten game on a Friday night. I'm, it may have happened. I don't remember it. I really don't. The, that first game against Northwestern, December 1st, is a Friday night game, and they play Friday night, January 19th, at Wisconsin. They have a game, at least one game, every day of the week. There's a Monday game, uh, a Monday Big Ten game at home against Michigan State. There's Tuesday games, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So every day. You know, used to be that you could count on Big Ten games being like two or three days a week, and that was mm-hmm. it. And start times were going to be, you know, at 7 o'clock, or they were going to be at noon on Saturday or 1 o'clock, you know. And, but that's like football, too. Football used to always be Saturday at 1 o'clock, you know. I mean, n- now we sound like, you know, the grumpy old man <laughs> guy. But um, it's just, it's, it's difficult. You've, you, this will be a hard schedule for people to memorize, be a hard schedule for people to anticipate, um, and you, you just you don't get in any rhythm. Uh, I think as a fan or as a player, I don't I don't know if it matters to the players. I think it probably matters more to the fans, to be honest with you. You know, it's just the and then the, we don't have start times yet, and we don't have TV yet, and the start times are all over the board. They are with football anymore. You could start different time. You know, eight you could have eight different start times in the course of a twelve game season, and in basketball, these start times are going to be all over the board too. You know, with the Big Ten Network doing triple headers as they did. One night when Illinois started at Nebraska at home at nine o'clock at night—that's crazy. Yeah, you know that's just too late. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, the Big Ten is definitely undergoing changes. Uh, the final Illinois basketball thing is prep fans. 
if you want to see a backcourt, and it's two guys on Illinois' radar, Peoria Manuel's Adam Miller transferred up to Morgan Park, and he will share a backcourt with Io Smatsu. I believe I'm pronouncing his. Yours, that's as good as I can do. And those are two guys firmly on Illinois' radar. I don't know how realistic they are for Illinois. Adam Miller is rising up the boards as quickly as probably anybody in the nation. They lead on Io. Um, uh, there's a lot of schools around him, but they're really in tight with him. They've got him surrounded pretty good. Uh, I'm not saying they get it, right. but, but they're they're in a pretty good position with him. You will see some orange and blue at Morgan Park for a lot of a lot of games this season, no doubt. So we are we're going to jump over to our interview with Steve Kelly again. He's a member of the Fighting Illini radio broadcast team, and Mark's had a couple questions with him. Uh, this bet. will be available on herald-review.com at 7 a.m. Friday mornings for your drive time. And I promise you, sooner rather than later on iTunes and Google Play. Visiting with Steve Kelly, who's uh, had a voice in Illini athletics for many, many, many years. Steve, you went out to uh, Colorado um, not long ago, a few months ago, just to see what life was like out there. What was life like out there? Beautiful place, <laughs> that's for sure, Tups. And uh, it was mid-April when I uh, retired from most things. I didn't retire from everything, but I went out there, so it's been four months out there, and um, beautiful golf courses. The next time you're out there, we should uh, tee it up. No kidding. It is beautiful indeed. But uh, lo and behold, uh, Colorado not strong enough to hold you. You're back for more. What year will this be for you on uh, Illinois Radio? Well, overall, radio and TV, it'll be 37 years. On the Illini uh, Sports Network radio, it'll be my 16th season working with Brian Barnhart. And uh, so once again, you will be doing, um, for people who listen on the network, you will be doing pregame, halftime, and postgame? That's correct. Pre-game show. The network pregame show is 60 minutes before the kick. That includes interviews with the coaches and players uh, gathered through the week, and then live guests and uh, some other elements in there. And then halftime is halftime, you know. Mm-hmm. A 20 minute countdown and occasionally get a guest on there and look at the stats and stuff and the network part of the post game show usually lasts about an hour that includes um, an interview from the locker room with lovey and other coaches and, and players too you know i'm just guessing because i've never done it but i'm guessing that post game is easier and more fun if they've won the game it really is <laughs> and it's a juggling act because we don't really know when lovey's going to be there so uh, I'm kind of the traffic cop as, as well, and, and trying to get all the things that, uh, the elements that are sold to sponsors and get everything in there and still get the content in there. But you're right, after a win, it's a lot, a lot easier to get. You get lovey either way, but after a win, you're more likely to get more players involved too. Yeah, and, and you said you're the traffic cop, but you're conducting traffic from up in the press box, and then you've got, what, someone downstairs around the locker room area to make sure that uh, maybe they can round in a couple guests for you? Yep, and that, they've got direct contact with me. They can talk to me in my ear even while I'm talking. They can say, Steve, we got Lovey, Steve, we got so-and-so, we got the quarterback, whatever. And they can let me know, then uh, that I just move in, uh, slide into that interview. You know, it's interesting because some people are listening to that and they're probably going, Tups, why? Don't you pay attention? Don't you know all this stuff? And, the, and Steve and I were talking about this. The fact of the matter is I never hear this because I'm in the press box. Uh, I usually get there two, two and a half hours before the game, so I'm not listening to you. Now we run into one another in the press box, and I don't get to hear the post game because we go downstairs to do lovey and players in a little bit of a different way. So it's kind of interesting for me to hear how all this is. Now the rest of the broadcast team is back intact. 
Martin O'Donnell will be the expert analyst. Kerry Davis will work uh, on the field. And then uh, Brian and myself. And then Ed Bond, who's been... Uh, He's been on the broadcast since Moses was a sophomore, I think. Uh, he's been around a long time. Uh, so, yeah, we're back and uh, going strong for Learfield. That's good. Now, now do you do you um, have any radio responsibilities in basketball? Not uh, Well, I did kind of unofficially because I, uh, when I was working full-time at WDWS, that's the flagship station. Right. So I did a lot of things for Brian just because I was there anyway. Uh, how it's going to be this year, we don't know yet for sure. This is uh, an interesting time. I was kind of curious to know what you think about this because you've been around the Illinois programs and around Illinois fans for a long time. So you've got a feel for the pulse of all this. And, and um, you know, my sense being out here at football training camp, which is where we are today, um, is that especially because uh, I like the way these freshmen have looked so much that um, it, it's sort of given me a lot more faith in this coaching staff's ability to identify talent, uh, offer scholarships to the right people, get them here, uh, teach them. And, uh, and so if you ask me, is the future brighter, I'm going to say yes. And yet, because football takes longer than basketball, you still have to kind of tell people, yeah, but, you know, you may need to be a little patient here. These freshmen we're excited about probably aren't going to all do it immediately right away. And, and therein comes the question. It's, it's been a tough stretch for Illinois fans because they've been asked to be patient for a number of years. And now on both sides of the fence, basketball and football. So it's, it's, it's kind of, this is Josh Whitman's dilemma, isn't it? To, mm-hmm. to, to tell people to have faith and yet to be patient. Well, the good news is they've got some outstanding looking freshmen. The bad news is how are they going to go against Ohio State and Michigan and some of those guys? They'll get experience, but it may be painful for a while. And you're right, football takes, you know, with basketball, you can get a couple of players and get things turned around. You need two or three classes on top of each other in football for that to happen. I'm sure Lovey is like anybody else. He'd rather have 50-year redshirt seniors playing every year, and it's just not going to happen for him, for at least for a while. It's a good point because not only do fans have to be patient, but I bet it's hard for him, too. You know, this is a guy that, you know, in the NFL, you can turn it more quickly. You can sign free agents. You can, you know, you can draft. You can fill the holes on your roster more quickly. But here, there's only one way to get him. I mean, you, you might get lucky on a, a transfer, just not a lot of those. So you're trying to build recruiting classes. And, and I'm sure it's probably a challenge for him to be patient. But, um, you know, if you can get there, and then, then you can kind of, you would hope, you know, maintain whatever momentum you have and we'll get it going. I don't know. What, what, what have you seen out here at training camp? Well, I uh, haven't seen as much as you because I just got back to town, but uh, I've been paying uh, particular attention to some of the young guys. I've got the same questions everybody else has. Is there, you know, is Jace Crouch the guy? I don't know. He seems to be, as far as a team leader, seems to have the confidence of the coaches, but can he lead that team down the field? That's what we don't know. And if he can't, who, who can, you know, because I talked to Jeff George Jr. yesterday and he would be the next most logical guy based on any experience or exposure to this stuff. So that is that is indeed the question. So so when do uh, do you guys do any kind of a preseason thing on the network or do you just get started on September 2nd? We get started on September 2nd. The, the week prior to that, the Monday night prior to that, will be the Lovey Smith show on uh, the uh, radio network, which is about... 55 stations, I guess, across uh, the state. So that'll be the first official thing. Love you show with Brian Barnhart, and then uh, we'll hit it on uh, September 2nd. 
All right, Steve, good to see you. Uh, glad Colorado didn't uh, keep its magical lure on you and get you back here. You know, we still have golf courses, too. That's right. There's some very good golf courses, and uh, one of the highlights was walking in here and uh, seeing guys like yourself. Yeah, thanks, Steve. It's good to see you, as always. We'll look forward to the season. Appreciate the visit.